Welcome to the Care Beyond the Bill podcast, where we discuss the big issues affecting our sector. 10 years on from the Social Value Act of 2013, we held a panel discussion at the Local Government Association annual conference in Bournemouth to discuss if the social value model is working for local government and where improvements could be made to meet today's challenges. Our guests include Abby Brown, Chair of the LGA's Innovation and Improvement Board, Vanessa Good, Business Development Manager at Scape, and Natalie Webster, Senior Social Sustainability Manager at Keir Construction. I kicked things off by asking Gabby about the importance of public-private partnership in terms of delivering on social value and solving some of the big challenges that exist. I think it's vital, isn't it, really? We're in a, in a space where actually that's what's going to happen. There, there isn't going to be a sudden influx of new money coming forward, is there, really? Whichever government um, we have, um, presuming we'll have a general election in the next 12 months and we may potentially have a change of government, we've seen some big sums allocated to councils. We hear a lot about inflation the announcement yesterday from the Secretary of State in terms of the ability of councils to um, move up to 30% of their funds around and between levelling up towns, fund future high streets shows that listening from the government of the need to reflect on inflationary pressures on these projects. But the reality is there are very few councils out there who've got pockets deep enough to be able to go to PWLB, borrow the cash and deliver the project on their own. And actually, we've probably not got the people to do it anyway. So it's always going to be about partnership, isn't it, moving mm. forward? And increasingly for places like mine, around turning the dial in terms of bringing in more private investment, which means you are definitely in that partnership space. I also think, you know, there is also that increasing awareness, isn't there, that whatever your political ideology is, you want to be working with somebody else to do it. Yeah. So therefore, it's got to be a partnership, hasn't it, around where you are. And it is always about more than just producing a building, isn't it? It's about actually making a difference for residents within that place Mm -hmm. that evolves around whatever that building is you're coming forward so you know I think it's a a really great time to start talking about these sorts of evolutionary partnerships and how they really deliver the place. We spoke to to Claire yesterday who can't join us unfortunately but she was talking about the importance given the challenges the importance of developing more of an entrepreneurial spirit you know given the scarcity of resources and and the challenges that the world at large is facing (coughs) and really sort of thinking outside the box and and pushing ourselves to to do that. Vanessa, does the environment exist to do that? We we can all probably say we absolutely buy into that as as an idea, but what's the reality? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of framework, we work with industry to actually look at creating that step change. So it would be really easy for you to come to a client and say, we can go to a careers fair, Mm -hmm. we can take on an apprentice, that's it. But actually, if that's not what the industry, what the clients want, mm. then we need to make sure that we're pushing contractors to think differently and think outside the box. And mm. a, a classic example is during lockdown. <coughs> Work experience was due to happen in May. We locked down in March. And one of our directors went out and said, what can we do? How can we solve this problem? Went out to the industry and the industry came back and we did a learning in lockdown online experience. And it was, it was phenomenal. That was a classic example of all of our partners responding to us, industry responding to us and saying, we could put this together and then skate driving that <coughs> to make it happen in about two weeks. I think they put the whole thing together, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, absolutely. There's an appetite, I think, from customers to certainly have something different from the tick box on, you know, I've 
sorry to say that, but sometimes it feels like it's a tick yeah. box. We've been to the careers fair, we've done that. It's not, it's about creating legacies and creating kind of ongoing community benefits that are really tangible and really make a difference. Absolutely. Is, is the link between procurement and social value strategy strong enough? Definitely not. We've been exhibiting over at conference and we've had a number of people come to the stand and, and say to us, look, we're, we're writing policy around procurement. We want to understand how to deliver outcomes. How do we write that policy to make sure that we get social value outcomes, we get uh, you know, outcomes around decarbonisation and net zero? And what we say is, if you procure in the way that you've always procured, you'll get what you always got. You know, you're not going to get anything different. So you do really have to think differently. And your procurement will actually drive those outcomes. And a lot of what you'll be doing is engaging very early with the contractors. So yeah, I'd say at the moment, very disconnected, and often very focused on different things. The, the council will have its strategic <coughs> objectives and procurement will be looking, so mm. sad to say, cost. Just what, yeah. what's the cost? What's the cost? And yeah. they're not thinking about what they're trying to deliver on behalf of the council. Yeah. So, yeah, it needs to run all the way through and get mm. to the level of mm. your procurers need to understand that they're procuring for those outcomes and Natalie you've been nodding from, yeah. from a contractor's perspective yeah. are, are we experiencing that as Kia it's interesting because while we're doing everything that we can to bridge that gap you can see it from a contractor side and you can see it from a council side you know the, the people that, are, that are, are going to be interested in social value aren't always necessarily the project delivery team on client or you know or contractor side so it's it's about really bringing those teams together efficiently so that we can all communicate and having those really clear outcomes and exactly as you say early engagement is so key to that it's really about setting those really clear expectations and carrying them through I think it's something that we're definitely getting better at but it, it it's still got yeah some way to go so I mean does something like the social value model does that help with that process or help councils to decide where to focus the, the resource and where they'll get the most impact I think the model sets out a really good um, set of questions, themes and uh, metrics for procurement. But where it maybe lacks is a little bit in that contract management side of things. So actually, once we get into contract, how do you then make sure that those promises are being delivered on? You go into a, a, a client project meeting and they, they might not be asking about the social value commitments that you originally put in the bid and that's not right it should be continuously on the agenda all the way through um so that we can be held to account properly i think that that's maybe where the model doesn't quite have that guidance around how that can be done aside from the reporting metrics that sit within it abby is there a, a role for an organization like the lga to, to play in doing that for, for local government or is it just too too different would, would it just be too difficult to do I'm never going to say, you know, we ought to have more regulation around this, but I do think the kind of opportunity for the LGA to bring this forward as a, as a talking point is definitely there, isn't it? I think really interesting this year at LGA conference, um, a developer that I brought to Stoke-on-Trent um, has been here um, as, a, as a kind of a foot delegate, and they were talking to me about how impressed they were really with what was going on here, and also kind of where developers play into a space like the LGA conference, and you don't want to turn it into a development conference, but actually always starting to step into those, you know, this is a space to talk about the big issues in our sector, not to necessarily marry up with developers and things like that, but actually I think it is a really good thing that's going to start to come forward and maybe this is, again, the space to talk about mm. that. Whether we want to formalise that into a framework, it's, it's probably not front and centre in terms of the LGA's work, but I think definitely, you know, it, 
it is an opportunity for the LGA to start to, to bridge that. We want we all want the best for our places, mm. um, and we should be. You know, part of the work that I lead at the LGA is around challenging ourselves to pick up best practice and to ensure that we are doing that to do the best mm. for our residents, and and you know maybe starting to talk around some of those bigger issues around the development world. So Vanessa, as a framework provider, you, you can see both sides quite quite easily in terms of delivering the best value from, from a local authority point of view and, and something which is achievable for a contractor. Is there a, a gap, I think, between the sort of local authority needs and what you're seeing there and what contractors can deliver or actually are we, are we pretty well aligned? Well, I think we're really fortunate because when we procure, part of the tender is what will you deliver in terms of social value, you know? Mm. So we work with, with, you know, the biggest in the industry who understand how to do it. They're well-versed at doing it. So, you know, we've got contractors coming to us who have that desire Mm. to do it, that ability to do it and the right connections to deliver it. So we don't struggle in terms of conversations around social value, either with the delivery partner or with the client, you know? And because our framework has got it embedded in there, it's what we talk about, you know, as, as a framework team. We'll go out and talk about social value. Have you considered social value? What do you require? Part of the process is that right up front, when we're talking to the customer, they have to go through what's their priority, what is it they're looking for. And sometimes they won't know the answer to that, you know, but it makes them think right from the outset, what do I want to deliver? And then we'll say you might want to go and talk to your health and well-being team because there may be an agenda around active travel or something like that, you know, so there may be other things that perhaps they, the estate team hasn't, hasn't mm. considered. So we don't tend to see customers that say we don't want social value, you know, pretty much they all do. What gets delivered through the framework is, is much, much higher than what is kind of industry standard. Um, I think we're, we're in a really lucky position <coughs> to kind of almost act as advisors yeah, yeah. around that and just help that thought process mm. around what, what should we do. Because sometimes it can feel big and scary, but it's it's really not. You know? mm. And to know that we've got that expertise is quite comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And as you were saying earlier as well, those conversations that you've been having even here at the LGA, you know, people coming and asking you about, about social value and, mm. and about, you know, what some clarity around developing strategy and so on. So it's playing out. Even here, yeah. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is good. Yeah. So, Natalie, we've been talking about the social value model a little bit, but obviously it's not the only model. There are various models and frameworks mm. and so on that, that local authorities can use. Mm. To what extent is that useful or just confusing? You know, can we, can we get to a point where we can actually just have a, a, a model which is flexible but fit for purpose? Yeah, so... In terms of the social value model, it doesn't kind of promote any form of monetization of any uh, particular initiative. So it purely looks at when you're tendering and the kind of questions it asks, it purely asks for the qualitative response uh, in order, you know, saying this is what I will do. And it doesn't kind of measure um, the social value in a monetary sense as you know, for example, if you were tendering through the social value portal um, who have own the national toms, that would then be measured in kind of more like a cost way, like you would in, in a tender. And so that's quite a key difference between those. It doesn't advocate for monetary kind of valuation, but also, you know, doesn't say argue against it either and then you have got various methodologies various tools that can now calculate that for you and within the construction industry particularly we're seeing there's quite a lot of variation in those different measurements for example within Kia we use a system called Thrive 
they've got their own set of metrics and they've got their own um, set proxy values that then will mean that we can put in all of our initiatives and say we've produced X amount of social value. However, if we then put them through a different system, it would come out with a different value. That's kind of one of those things. You've got to pick a team uh, to play for and that's how we go about it. And I think if there could be something that's done industry-wide, a collaboration to say, actually, we're going to stick to this one um, measurement framework and that's going to be something that we see across the board that would make everybody's lives a lot easier and mean that you can actually compare the value that's delivered but you know from from contractor to contractor but within you know the scape framework for example it, it's the national toms that is the framework that's used there so at least within that scope you can see that but if um you know if you take contractors outside that what they would present externally uh, can be quite different so i think it can make things confusing yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it so, so where does the leadership come from then to make that happen to develop that national framework i think it'd be really interesting to hear what, what you, each of you think about that actually how do how do we get to that point i think one really strong thing that um has been continuously going on throughout uh, construction frameworks and uh, you know particularly with scape as well is the collaboration and the working groups that go on so you know there's a social value working group where the contractors will come together there's net zero carbon, modern slavery, and these can be really great forums for that kind of change. It, it can mean that we can come together, share ideas, share frustrations. We're all normally going through quite similar experiences. So I think that actually they can be really good forums for that. Similar to Natalie, really. I mean, that's one of the beauties of the framework is that we do get the delivery partners working together on working groups, actually looking at these things. I think the main thing is that we have to make it possible for those further down the supply chain to be able to understand it and be able to know how to deliver it, you know. And I guess with the different models, you know, you're right, we're Tom's through and through mm. kind of thing. So, you know, that's, that's what I know. <coughs> and it can just be really confusing. And if you don't have, you know, if for you, you've got teams, we've got teams that are focused on social value. If you're a smaller supply chain one-man band, how do you... How do you know where you go? You know, yeah. so I think probably those are kind of things that get discussed at these working yeah. groups and and brought up, and maybe ideas around how that can be can be mm. solved. Mm. But yeah, Very it's good. difficult when there's competing kind of models. Yeah, yeah. indeed. And Abby, to, to you in terms of that, that leadership. I believe very strongly in leadership from local authorities playing into that collaborative space mm. in a way. Really, I think you know as we see the procurement act seems to be bail embedded. Um, moving forward and obviously that places an onus on local authorities to publicise pipelines and projects that are coming forward that will very much focus minds won't it in terms of what outcomes you want we brought a framework forward in Stoke-on-Trent in 2019 based on knowing that we'd got an ambitious capital programme and one of the parts of bringing that forward was an opportunity to basically present on the projects there but also then to talk about what the space might be around social value and I think you know that goes in multiple directions then doesn't it whether it's to work with organisations like Scape in terms of their framework, um, but equally down then to local subcontractor level, which you know is going to be important um, to many local authorities in terms of ensuring that you're keeping some money within your local economy. We always think there's that opportunity, isn't there, that if they've had the benefit of sitting in a room that that's that's they across the board from from the one man band right the way through to you know partners at, at Kia or at Scape to hear you talk about want to do all these big projects, but actually 
we've got over a thousand children in care and we need to do something around that that immediately informs a different conversation doesn't yeah, it absolutely really yeah. so i think you know the leadership the opportunities are there in terms of the changes that we're seeing coming through on the procurement um, bill slash act to enable local authorities to really get into that space around having the bigger conversation around procurement and social value Good. okay and i think that leads on, on nicely to the to my my final question before we open it up to the floor Obviously, it has been ten years since the since the Social Value Act of, of two thousand and thirteen. A lot's changed, but what's what's your hope for the next ten years? I'll start with you, Natalie, in terms of where would you like the social value to have to have moved to, and how do you think we can get there? I'd love if there was one measurement methodology that we all stuck to, so that we could actually really understand the impact. But I, I think that word impact is really really important. It's it's not about what we deliver and what we do in terms of social value. It's about what impact that has on the communities and individuals. And you really need to be able to see that longevity of, of that kind of having the knock-on impact that we all hope it will have. Uh, so I think in terms of social value and it moving on, I'd much prefer to see the measurement actually being on what that impact is to communities rather than just, you know, we've delivered X number of hours of this out or the other. And Vanessa? Yeah, similar thing really. So I mentioned Tickbox earlier and I once heard a story about a company that went into a school and did a kind of two, three hour session on cybersecurity and then walked away and when we've done our social value. And my question around that would be, did any of those children then go on to study cybersecurity? What was the ongoing impact? What was the outcome of that activity that you did? Because it's not about the activity, it is about the long-term impact on, on the community. So that's the conversations that I want to see <laughs> happening over the next 10-year period. You yeah. know, it's great that we're talking a lot more about social value. It's great that customers are coming to us and actually asking us about it. But yeah, I want them now to not just be saying, that's that's an activity it's done. It wants to be kind of long-term. <clears throat> yeah. And Abby? Um, so for me, it's probably a bit of the unpacking the box around really understanding from a local authority point of view what your challenges are. You know, we've had a big de- debate, less, less so at the moment, but I feel it's coming back for the second half of this year around levelling up and what that means. Mm-hmm. I think we've got beyond the fact that it's not north versus south, rural versus urban. It's actually about what's right for your place. I think, you know, there's a, a good environment around uh, building things, built environments, as we've talked about already. But actually, it is that bit around what does the impact it have on your place and therefore what does that mean for people mm-hmm. and I guess an element of a greater understanding around that you know I think there's some really great projects out there but as we see it I suspect a focus on government policy where you know there's a strong strong element around place and I think we're starting to get there in terms of the people element um, you know and I've talked before about my frustration with trying to leverage government interest in public health inequalities for example in my place how do you really get into things like that? Where do you go to the social value when, for example, in Stoke on Trent, you've got a really high, light, high rate of infant mortality? You know, I think we can do we do some really good, strong stuff around aspiration, around learning, around homelessness. But when you get into those really big things yeah. like public health inequalities, where are we going to? We need to start making some advances, I think, in terms of social value around that. Yeah, good. Okay, <clears throat> thank you very much. It's your turn now. If you've got any questions. Uh, hello, thank you. Andrew Bannister uh, from Scape to nobody's surprise, I think. Yeah. Um, that was really interesting and really enlightening. We've got three different but related points of view, and we've had leadership from a local authority. We have somebody working very closely in the, in the procurement side of this, and we have somebody who is a specialist in a contractor. I'd be interested to hear, leaving aside how you measured it, 
what you think is an example that you understand as being best in class in terms of delivering social value? Well, I've seen that I've got experience of. Um, I bought capital and centric to Stoke on Trent, never worked outside the Northwest before. Um, one of the reasons we worked with them is because actually I went and visited a number of their projects. I, I liked their approach and they were interested in some of the things that I've got um, issues with in Stoke on Trent, homelessness in particular, but they deliver a scheme called Regeneration Brainery. They could have brought it as they wanted to and delivered it exactly how they deliver it elsewhere, but they adapted it to reflect the needs within the city around that and, and in a way bespoke and I see that they do that elsewhere um, and I know they've won awards for it um, over the last few months so for me I thought that was that was really good because you equally have to be pragmatic don't you as a local authority to not expect somebody to reinvent the wheel in effect so I, I think that was a particularly good project that I saw delivered but equally I've seen them do similar schemes around homelessness in Manchester that I've been to visit in Liverpool as well so I, I think demonstrates that you can be, be bespoke at scale on a large scale uh, within Kia, we have uh, a charity, the Kia Foundation, and within the past uh, three years, we've we've partnered with an umbrella charity called End Youth Homelessness, which actually have a lot of local homeless charities that they, they work closely with. And as part of that partnership, what I think was really great about it is that it was really quite all-encompassing. So with, as well as fundraising generally, mm-hmm. where we kind of raised over £400,000 for them, there was also, there was building lives and building careers. So we looked at actually supporting those young people in terms of training, in terms of work placements, getting them into jobs. Uh, and then also uh, offered quite a lot of pro bono support for some of their centres and residential so that they could be actually doing renovations on the properties as well so there was it was quite a holistic offering for that that particular charity which was you could see really see the actual impact on the on the individual young people we had drives such as like buying Christmas presents and all of those great things as well but yeah then it can go down to the smallest level and often this these are stories where you know our site teams will be just just do something because they think it's the right thing. You know, whether that's just kind of doing some small renovation in the local school or whatever that they've, they've done just because they, they thought that would be nice. I'm David. I work for Kia Transportation, so I deliver highways projects in the main. And the best example I've seen of social value is where local authorities really leverage the contractor or the provider across all the directorates. The best example that I've been involved in is where uh, we were given access and we collaborated across uh, the children's services and and adult teams as well. We had direct access to to, to that big cohort of people and we could deliver skills projects and make significant differences to those individuals who are working in those those communities that you, you describe. So, so my plea really is to is to is for when you go back into your local authorities is to to make your heads of your your exec directors and their teams work together to collaborate to to, to actually um, have some exposure to the providers that you've you've no doubt all got within your within your local authorities. I think that's the leadership element, isn't it? On top. So when I became leader of Stoke on Trent in two thousand and nineteen, the first thing that I inherited was a children's services that was in intervention. And it's incredibly frustrating because I'm not a social worker. I can't go and help with anything. What am I going to do? So what I did over the course of four years was, in effect, open my black book of of companies that I knew within the city and get them involved. Um, Stoke-on-Trent is the fostering network, fostering friendly employer of the year, not because of the city council, but because, in effect, I managed to convince every major employer within Stoke-on-Trent to become fostering friendly. 33,000 employees within Stoke-on-Trent 
working for organisations that are fostering friendly. That's the largest single concentration anywhere in the country. And that's why we won the award. And that was my contribution. And I'm not clever enough. I don't understand quite enough about how it fits together. But I would like to think that that sort of leadership around mm. understanding the challenge that I had, my frustration, but also my contacts could be leveraged against the £500 million worth of investment that Stoke-on-Trent is bringing in. Thank you. Thank you to the panel. My name is Councillor Shantan Rajwa. I'm the leader of the London Borough of Hounslow. Uh, I, I get the tension that you've got between a standardised set of metrics to measure versus what you want to deliver within your individual communities. And I just wonder, with the creation of the Office of the Local Government that's just come into force, whether there's a role for us to be lobbying them to put some standardised matrix in place so that you can actually measure it whilst also acknowledging that there are, are local contexts. I think in terms of, in terms of the measurement piece as well, I think what, what unfortunately what, what seems to be happening at the moment is the word value in social value should be there because in reality it should be a kind of cost-benefit analysis of what our projects are doing. So in terms of, you know, this this is how much we're spending, what is the benefit that we're getting from that? And that's why you would monetize it. And in reality, that probably doesn't actually sit at our level. It probably sits before you even even start planning the project. So I think that if that were to be something that was more centralized, it probably actually come almost before our involvement. And and I, I would welcome that. I think that would be absolutely fine. And we just need to then actually deliver on what what could be possible i think there is a place for it but unless it's standardized we, we can't possibly be able to compare thank you well, i think we, we could obviously go on talking for a while and we can go on talking for a while because we, we have to draw the panel discussion to a close so thank you all very much for coming and yeah enjoy the rest of your conference thank you, thank you. that wraps up the first season of the kia beyond the bill podcast thanks very much for listening we'll be back soon with a new season Make sure you don't miss the start by hitting subscribe on Spotify, Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also find out more by visiting kia.co.uk forward slash podcasts.